You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 46 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. As always, I'm your host Pimpcron from Bell of Lost Souls, and I am joined by a few people throughout this episode, and we discuss all kinds of things to hopefully ignite the flame of hobby in each and every one of you, and I am so excited. So why am I excited? Well, it's because we've got tons of fun things to talk about, that's why, dummy. First of all, This is episode 46, so we've been at this for a little while, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, Second of all, or was that first of all? I don't know. I'm crazy. But we have a want that or want that not with the War Scryer Citadel, which I'm that has been put on the last chance to buy segment of Games Workshop. If you don't know what that is, then check out that segment of this show, and I will explain it to you. Damn. Uh, we also have a, well, here's an idea featuring Loremaster Alex and Just James and myself, and we discuss the do's and don'ts of demoing. We discuss it with Loremaster Alex. He brings a couple new things to the table, I think. Uh, not all of them are good ideas, but we'll see. <laughs> and there's a Tesseract mailbox where Rusty writes in, and he has some things to say about brutality. You better check in and see what he's saying. Finally, we have the Real Talk with the Pimpcron, where we discuss why do Dreadnoughts suck? Or better put, do Dreadnoughts still suck? I don't know. I guess you'll have to listen to that, too. So you you realize this is the part of the show where I'm not here to give you answers, okay? I'm just here to give you a little taste, like a drug dealer, and then hopefully you want to listen to the rest of it. That's That's how that works out. In case, uh, I just, I just lifted the veil behind the, of production, and now you know all my secrets. I am the man behind the curtain. So, what have I been up to for the last week? I've been still writing on the novel. I have played a game with my, God, what did I even play this week? Okay, I've actually played three games of Warhammer this week, believe it or not. On our game night at the club... Just James and I barely squeaked out a win against our friend Connor. I was playing... I don't even know what I was playing. What was I playing? I was playing Necrons. Oh, that was the night that I brought 30 Scarabs and an Annihilation Barge to a game. And we ended up beating him 15 to 12, I think it was. 15 to 11, something like that. Then, on Friday, I played my friend Josh in Age of Sigmar. My old Tomb Kings took the field again, and I beat him 20 to 12. And finally, Saturday, I met up with my old friend, Mr. Matt, and we played a game of Necrons versus his Space Marines, and I beat him, I think it was 15 to 13, I think it was. So that's three wins this week, and, uh, you know, I only I only live to win, honestly. I don't care about friendship or hanging out, uh, but all the games were pretty close. I enjoyed it, and uh, believe it or not, man, Ushabti, if any of you play Tomb Kings, Ushabti kick ass is what they do. I had Ushabti in one turn of melee. They assaulted a Gorgon from Josh's Beastmen, and they murdered him in one close combat turn before he ever even got to attack. It was terrible. I uh, did not realize how good Ushabti were until I took them, and good God, they're awesome. 
So uh, I feel a little bad about that. It was a unit of six of them versus a Gorgon, and they just, they murderized him. And finally, uh, that is basically it. I have been painting Tomb King's cavalry and Tomb King's chariots. So I've had them for a little while. I'm finally getting around to painting them. And that is pretty much it for all my hobby progress. So I will let you get on with the show now. Thanks for listening. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Welcome to another edition of the Tesseract mailbox. I am your host, Pimpcron, and we got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. It's from Rusty. He writes, Hey man, my name is Rusty, and I live in Tennessee. Want to fight me over it? (laughs) Sorry, I don't know what that was about. Hey, me and three friends have started playing your brutality game for the past few weeks. We are having a ton of fun with it. I have a gingerbread army of models. My friend Mike has a team made up of just Swamp Thing Heroclix with a sorcerer for the leader. Donnie made a team of D&D minis like knights, rogues, etc. And Jamie's is made up using those gremlin people from weird miniatures from Malifaux. One is riding a pig, so we made him cavalry. LOL. Anyway, I wanted to let you know that we are really enjoying it after we learn the rules. We might still be doing some things wrong, but oh well. I would suggest that you get a website so that people can check everything out without having to use Facebook, but that's a minor nitpick. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that you are really onto something here, and this new freedom of using whatever models we want is great. I'm already looking at another warband to build. Laugh out loud. Thanks again, Rusty. P.S. Bring back the brutality segment of the show. Well, thanks again for writing in, Rusty. I appreciate it. And thank you to Mike, Donnie, and Jamie as well. I'm sorry. I have no idea why that's so hard to find. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been a long day, people. But all right. So let's let's start at the beginning. I appreciate that you guys picked up Brutality. I really do. It's my baby. It's my passion. I love it. And I am excited to hear all these different warbands. If you are, like, if you actually use Facebook, please post them on the Facebook page because that would be awesome on the Brutality Facebook page. And the Gingerbread Army sounds awesome. I have not seen Gingerbread Army models, but they, that sounds really, really cool. Matter of fact, it would be really cool to ally in some Santa Claus or elves or things like that. I am mostly done with my Christmas-themed warband. His friend Mike uh, has Swamp Thing here, clicks with a Sorcerer for Leader. That is also a pretty cool idea. Like, he's summoning all these swamp creatures out of the the, uh, ground. And I know, I'm sure our Swamp Thing has had more than one pose. So you've got a wide range of things to pick from, probably. Uh, finally, Donnie is using D&D minis, which of course is a, always a good option, and Malifaux models, those gremlin people, I don't know if they're goblins or gremlins or what, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're like hillbilly gremlins, and, uh, that's awesome. A pig cavalry is wonderful. That, that pleases me. So, as far as having a website other than the Facebook page, I don't really plan on doing that just yet. 
I think it may be in our future, but as of right now, I'm, I'm not uh, not really too worried about that. Um, how many billions of people have Facebook? Isn't it like 2 billion people or something astronomically stupid? Uh, I do offer at the end of each one of my articles that if you don't use Facebook, then there's uh, brutalityskirmishwargame at gmail.com. Of course, you can always email uh, pimpcron at gmail.com, which is what Rusty here did. And and I guess I just have to say I love everything about this uh, letter. I love every single thing about it. And I agree, using your own models for the game and not being tied to a specific brand is awesome and it's liberating. Finally, he says, bring back the brutality segment of the show. Okay, well, first off, uh, I don't know if you listen to every single episode, but I described it a couple weeks ago that this is the busiest time of year for me. I'm working roughly 70 hours in addition to all my other stuff. So I am just paring down the show a little bit so I can get a breather, so I can work through this uh, busy season at my real job. And it will eventually come back. Uh, I'm not ex- specifically cutting it out. It's just that um, it hasn't been featured for a couple episodes, but it will come back. Don't worry, it's not gone. It's just It's just sleeping. It's not dead. And that is about all I think I can say about this. But, uh, Rusty, I cannot tell you how much I really appreciate you guys playing the game. And uh, hopefully you enjoy it just as much as I do. And we've had quite a surge on Facebook of people that have joined the Brutality Skirmish War Game Facebook page. And uh, hopefully that continues. We're around 500 people, I think, which is not too bad for a free rules, use your own models, Skirmish War Game. And I think that's where I'm going to wrap this up. Once again, thanks, Rusty. Thanks for all your friends playing the game. And like I said, if you're using Facebook, please post that stuff on the Facebook page because everyone loves to see the war bands posted. All right. Bye. Want that or want that not? And with this edition of Want That or Want That Not, my heart is extremely heavy. Why is that? Well, I was perusing the Games Workshop website, and on the last chance to buy page is the War Scryer Citadel. If you don't know what the War Scryer Citadel is, you turn this podcast off right freaking now and go look it up. No, I'm just kidding. The War Scryer Citadel is a one of my all-time favorite pieces of terrain GW has ever made, and... It is essentially that very tall tower that's kind of rickety. There's like a little bridge and stairs and and whatnot. And then there's a really rickety little bridge that goes from the one tower to a higher up like observatory tower. And um, I've helped paint these before for Shorehammer for my my friends, uh, Blickety Blam Steve. And, you know, you never are quite sure what they mean when they say last chance to buy. I'm assuming that... You know, it doesn't. I'm not positive it means that they're just through with this print run and they're not going to be making another print run for a while with the molds, or if they literally are stopping production of this altogether. But this is a massive piece of terrain. It's $110, which I know, I know, I know is pricey, but it is so awesome and it belongs on any Age of Sigmar uh, board, maybe even a Warhammer board, honestly, because it's not overtly medieval. I mean, it's it's gothic and whatnot, but man, that's gorgeous. All the massive skulls on the side of the t- 
tower and the rock underneath that it's all built on. Apparently it's built on meteorites that were came down from the sky. And uh, it's just, it is an amazing, amazing piece of terrain. It is $110, and honestly, I know $110 is a lot, but it is worth every single penny in my opinion. Now, on the flip side of that, it is a little bit of a bitch to paint. And the, re- <laughs> the reason for that is because it is extremely highly detailed. Uh, I have, like I said, I've helped paint these before. And if you enjoy painting terrain, okay, that's fine. You enjoy painting your terrain. If you don't enjoy painting terrain, I don't know what to tell you because you 100% need this piece of terrain. But you have to figure out the painting on your own. There is so much detail, so many little shingles on the roof, so many little spikes and doors and hatches and buckles, and uh, it's it's just, it is amazing. But I'm sure that I'm just sitting here gushing, but man, it's a beautiful piece. And it does make me sad that it's on the last chance to buy. But I would gladly plop down $110 for this, because it's just, this has a charm and a look to it that very few other terrain pieces have. It's so vertical, you know, it does block line of sight. It's maybe, I don't know, eight or 10, maybe it's a foot long uh, in the base of it. Maybe it's a foot long and it is probably, gosh, 18 inches tall, maybe higher. It's a very large piece of terrain. Now, of course, the tower, if you just want to use the tower with the observatory on it, that actually does come off and you can use that on the ground as just a normal tower. But it is just, it looks like Merlin's Tower or something like that. It's its rickety, it's old, it's got mystery to it, there's skulls. It is just, like I said, it's probably pretty obvious how in love I am with this portraying piece. But it is gorgeous. So if you've been sitting on the fence about buying a War Scryer Citadel, it is $110 from Games Workshop, and I guarantee you you will not regret purchasing it or your money back. No, I'm just kidding. I can't do that. But honestly, go out and help this thing become extinct because it's gorgeous. You need it in your life and you need it on your battlefield. Matter of fact, if I can scrounge up enough money, I'm going to just go ahead and buy one of these as well. It's beautiful. So is that a want that or want that not for me? Fuck no. I hate this thing. Nope, just kidding. I love it. So, <laughs> I, sorry, I'm in a... I'm in a way today, but yes, I love this thing. I absolutely would want that. Toodles. Now, here's an idea. Welcome to another episode of Well, Here's an Idea. I'm the Pimpcron. I'm joined by my lore master, Alex, and Just James. Anyway, uh, so you had a question, Just James. Yes, my question is... When you're running a demo for someone, when do you know that they, you know, are picking up what you're putting down? And when do you go into further, more advanced rules or and slash or tactics? That's, that's actually a really tough question. And that's probably why you're asking it. So um, I love doing demos and, you know, it's fun to teach someone a new game and, you know, potentially have a new player in your community and things like that. But you also you're... don't want to scare them, though. True. 
Um, obviously, we've we've covered you know basic uh, demoing before, so I don't want to get into the whole thing. But obviously, the rules are keep it very simple. You know, just give them the basics. Don't bog it all down with stratagems and and all this bullshit chapter tactics and all. If they're playing a first game or so, maybe it's like they've um, been a month in. Sure, yeah, after yeah. that. But um, like what the things that I always hammer home, and which is like the core of the game system, is how to wound. Like what? How do you determine what you need to wound? And where yeah. to look you it know. up? How to you know? Yeah, and where to look up. it up? You know what the strength, what the toughness is, and um, you how know, to build a list. Uh, not for a demo. No, not for a demo. No, absolutely that's, not. That's right. I think that's part of the more advanced stuff you would go into. Yeah, and if you were gonna make them make a list, then you would use power level and not points. Yeah. Well, would you would at be... least would you at least share like when you show them the list, explain to them a little bit about it, or like, or would you rather just? Here's your list. Here's your units. Let's do this. It depends, because if it was definitely not on the first demo, would you even talk about lists? Because I mean, they they've literally never played one game. They don't yeah. even know if they like it. You want it to be streamlined, and you want it to be as fun as possible. Right. Fast, fun, laughing, excitement. You know, you don't want to be like, all right, we'll pull out your uh, uh, TI eighty three calculators. We're gonna chart some graphs. Like you don't want to be like that. Because you want to be throwing dice. Yes. You know what I mean? Like not at each other, but I mean, slinging like, crack. Sl- yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. So, like a craps game in the back of an alley. <laughs> yes, and um, so the one thing that I always harp on over and over and over again is what do you need to hit for every single phase? And they tell me, you know, and if they don't, don't remember for some reason, like if they somehow have some units that hit on different things, you know, they learn oh where to look for what their ballistic skill is, and then time and time again, how do you? All right, strength four, toughness five. What do you need to wound? You know, strength six, toughness eight. What do you need to? Win? And just keep hammering that home and to me one of the key things is is if i can start saying strength blank what and they don't even have to think about it you know he's like oh uh strength is higher than toughness so three up or or, you know like it comes very easy to them then i start talking about some other stuff you know yeah um also you sometimes you don't want to use those terms like armor penetration you want to be like okay your save gets a minus one or yeah. You know what I mean? Don't bulk them down with a ton of stuff for their first game. Right. Yeah. You want to keep it like the, the terminology as simple as possible because you don't want to start throwing in, like you said, throwing in new words to the vocabulary that now they got to think about and try to remember. You just, like you said, just exactly like you just said. You know? So what would you do? This is kind of a good question because this is in, in keeping with what you said. Um, the first thing I would do is do they understand how to measure models? That would be the very first step. Do you know how to measure a model front to front, back to back, whatever, right? right? Yes. So then I would go into, you know, so once I make sure they know how to measure models, which pretty much anybody can do, then you start going into trying to teach them the phases. Okay, this, 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 and keep saying it over and over again. Hopefully for your first demo, you just ignore the psychic phase and you say, oh, uh, now would be the psychic phase, but we don't have any of that and, and carry on. And one of the nice things about phases, too, is like if, if they played MTG or if they played Yu-Gi-Oh! or anything like that, there's phases in that system, too. True, yeah. And also board games and things. They have upkeep yeah. or whatever. So like if you say to them, like, hey, so it, you know, this is obviously this would be kind of part where you've gotten to talk to them a little bit, understand where their background is. And if they say, if they played magic before, like, you know, how like in magic, you have your different phases. Mm-hmm. So here's your first phase. And then like, you know, you know what I mean? So number three would be show them where to look up the stats of stuff. Yeah. Which would be, you know, once they get measuring down, once they get the phases down, then go, Oh, well look in your book. Here's this page. See, this is the movement. And, and just basically show them where the stuff is. You don't have to go into every single thing. Yeah. You, 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 and, you, 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 you give a man a fish he eats for a day 
you teach him how to fish, he starts rolling his own stats. So, I, I was going to say, how does that end? I've never heard that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, okay, so one is how to measure, two is the phases, three would be where to find the stats, and then once they have all three of those, I would get into, okay, what do you need to hit? And he can he can look it up. Or, okay, strength, toughness, wh- what do you need? Yeah. You know, to wound. Yeah. Then once they get that, I mean, that's pretty much the core of it, don't you think? And... Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, and then you can start, once they know how to hit and wound and measure and all that, then you can start getting into, okay, well, a little bit of tactics. Like, oh, well, keep your leader behind this unit or stuff like that. Your leader has a six-inch bubble. Start yeah. getting into some more complicated stuff. Yeah. But uh, honestly, for the person's first or second game, I would just make their list for them. Honestly. Find out what ga- what models they have. Make the list form and match yours. Yep. So what what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say uh, maybe outside of the game, sit down with them and make their list. Uh, show them what how to, how to make the list. Yeah. And and like I said, use power level if you're going to like get them to you know if it's make like their, their own... first time making their first yeah. list kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, and you also kind of want to do a little bit of hand-holding. You know, you want to kind of be like, okay, so I'm bringing to the table well, something like this. That's going to put a lot of people off, though. If I was if I was going to a game store for the first time and this dude starts holding my hand, like, I would feel very uncomfortable. Um, even well, if he was cute. Just because you like, don't like I don't, it when I hold your hand. Well, I'm just saying, you know? I'm just saying, no matter how cute the demoer is and no matter how attracted you may be to him or her, I mean, you, it's really uncomfortable. Aside from the shtick, as I was trying to say. Don't show them the shtick either. <laughs> I'm gonna show you my shtick. You don't stop. I wish these guys would just kiss already. <laughs> You're so sick of will they, won't they? And I mean, kiss me. <laughs> uh, um, all right, if you guys excuse me, I'm gonna step outside and self-immolate. Now, um, so aside from what I was trying to say, uh, you know, when you do that kind of stuff, you kind of want to kind of explain to them a little bit, like, hey, so I'm bringing this to the table. So if you're building a list, you're going to want to bring something that can easily counter that. Are you saying that to him? Yes. Uh, well, I think it should go the other way. You make his list, and then you make the list that is cannon fodder for his list. Like, throw the game. Your, your first two games absolutely just throw the game you're going to lose. Yeah, you, you, but some you, people might be turned off by that, too. Not at all, because you don't tell them you're throwing the game. Yeah, you don't true. tell them, oh, boy, I'm letting you win. No, yeah, you don't but here's do the thing. We also got peckerheads in our and in, in any gaming club that's going to be like, well, you know he let you win. He, Nobody would ever say that. You know exactly who <laughs> I'm talking about without even saying their name would go, well, you know he fudged the rule on this. The real rule but is... But you don't, you don't tell anybody you did that. Right. But that's not going to stop that person who I'm speaking of. Although, admittedly, yeah, uh, I was running that demo and he kept calling me out when I was just fudging stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. like... And I look at him and I'm like, uh, oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. But Snitches get stitches. Yeah. But for the most part, uh, most people don't care about other people's games. So. No. It's going to be a rare time that that's going to happen. You know, hearing people talk about their games after their game, like two people played separate games, not against each other. It's basically like old old women and their grandchildren. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, my grandchild's in ballet and she's doing wonderfully. Well, my grandson's in baseball and he's going to be an all-star. Well, my hip hurts or what? And it's just this constant like, hey, James, my game. I did this and this and this and this. Oh, gosh, please shut up. <laughs> Usually my response back to that is, yeah, I got my shit pushed in. You want to hear about it? <laughs> he wasn't even playing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, but that, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you got a, a lot of its facial expressions too. You got to look at the person and see, are they glazed over? You know, are they with it? Well, I feel it's also, you got to be engaging with them. You know what I mean? Well, sure. That's the whole purpose is, yeah. you know, to, to give them a fun game because ultimately like if you're trying to do any demo, like you're watching the, the preview for a movie or, you know, like a, the trailers for the movie is arguably supposed to show you the best things about that movie. So you go, wow, I want to watch the whole thing. Or a demo, you know, a snippet for a YouTube video or whatever, you know, the thumbnail. It should be telling, giving you something that makes you go, wow, I want to see the rest of that. Yeah. And it's the same thing for Warhammer. You should be cut all the bullshit and just show them the best of Warhammer. Make it exciting and have them roll dice and, and you know, just don't bog them down with stats. On the second or third game start you know being more of a normal game also uh i always say is don't be afraid to ask them if they want to take a break because you sure. are still even if you're trying to simplify it some people you're still throwing a lot of information at them you know if, if you see and you can kind of see that they're struggling a little bit be like hey do you want to like take a break real quick and grab a bottle of water you can ask me some questions you know what i mean yeah plus you know where we play it can get very hot very quickly too with a lot of people next to each other you, you know yeah and that can that can really throw people off too, especially you know a new player who's not used to that kind of environment. You can say to them, "Hey, you want to take a break? Let's get some fresh air. Have, you know, you can sit outside, you know, drink some, it's, you know, have a drink, and just chit chat with them." You know, it's true because even a small demo game can be two hours or so, and some people may not be used to standing there playing one game for that long. Yeah, if they're used to playing Magic, they'd get like ten games in two hours. Like, you know what I mean? Not. Yeah. So you don't want to bore them. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to get. at. Do you have any tips, Mr. James? Just a tip. Um, no, I think we pretty much covered everything. Oh, well, fuck you too. Hey, everybody, it's the Pimpcron, and today I've got a product that you did not know that you could not live without. That's right. Becoming a patron on Patreon for the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast is everything you've ever wanted. We guarantee that it will clean up your spills, make your whites whiter, teach your dog tricks, and take you to the edge and even clean up afterwards. That's right, it's everything you could ever want in a product ever. Just go to patreon.com slash and pledge your allegiance to the almighty Kron today. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Kron. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Real Talk with the Pimp Kron. And tonight I want to discuss something that is, um, I was looking through one of my original articles back in 2015, which was during what edition? I think that was during 6th edition, I believe. Might be 7th. I, I believe it's 6th edition. And um, it was an article called, What's Wrong with Walkers? And in that, I kind of spelled out a couple of things that um, that I didn't like about walkers and why I thought they were pretty terrible at that time. And I was interested to see exactly how they have changed and are they any better than they were. So the first thing I'll cover is a couple of things that I said in the article, which are 
that uh, dreadnoughts are vehicles, but not quite. And what I meant by that is that they are, especially back then when you had armor values and things like that, um, that of course you new players may not exactly know what I'm talking about, but you had to basically roll a d6 and add it to the strength of your weapon, and you had to meet or beat their armor. If you meet it, they took a glancing hit. If you beat it, they took a penetrating hit. And in some ways, that was more durable. Uh, in other ways, it wasn't, but I'm not going to get into all that right now. The point is, is that they were treated just like vehicles for that aspect. And um, are they still treated like vehicles now? Uh, yes, they're still treated like vehicles. But the issue that I had back then is that were they treated like vehicles? Yes, but they could only run a D6, such as, you know, infantry advances, where vehicles would often go an extra 12 inches or 18 inches or something like that when they turbo boosted or if they went flat out. So that was a major issue between dreadnoughts and vehicles. Is that an issue now? No, because everybody advances D6 inches, um, unless you have some wacky special rule. But in general, so all it's not that dreadnoughts have been made better in this aspect. It's the fact that all vehicles have been made worse, which is kind of interesting. What about close combat when we talk about walkers and vehicles? Well, you know, vehicles in general still suck at close combat. They've got a, a weapon skill of six up or something like that. And um, back then, they were no better. Actually, they were much worse because actual vehicles couldn't strike back. They had no attacks. They had no weapon skill, nothing. And, of course, Dreadnoughts did have a weapon skill. They did strike back and whatnot. Um, that is no different now except for, in the case of the moving flat out or the advancing, vehicles have been brought down to Dreadnought level instead of actually increasing Dreadnoughts. And in this case, vehicles have actually been improved to, uh, I can't say dreadnought level in close combat because most of the weapon skills are six up when you're talking about regular vehicles like tanks, but at least they can do something now where they couldn't at all. So, so far we're two for two, uh, that dreadnoughts are no better than they were prior. But then you get into another topic that I talk about on this article is that dreadnoughts back then used to get, uh, I believe it was two attacks. And that really sucked, because you've got this massive ancient warrior in this sarcophagus. He's walking around, he's got a giant-ass power fist and all of that, and he gets two swings. Yay. And uh, a lot of times he would only be hitting on four-ups, because weapon skills were compared back then, rather than just a basic stat like they are now. And um, so in that case, the rule of the game, uh, as far as weapon skill goes, dreadnoughts are slightly better, but so is everybody else. So once again, Dreadnoughts much not much better. Dreadnoughts in general, and walkers in general, have more attacks than they used to. Like, I believe a regular Dreadnought has four melee attacks, where it used to have two. Okay, well that's good, I suppose. But the issue is that, unlike Age of Sigmar, wounds do not carry over from model to model in 40k. So, now, if you took that power fist or whatever uh, on your dreadnought, which does straight three damage. If you took that and those wounds piled over or spilled over, you would be getting four attacks. You'd probably hit on three of them and probably wound on three of them. That would be nine space marines dead in close combat. Whereas because wounds don't spill over, it's only three space marines dead in close combat. So that seems like a very marginal help. Um, if wounds spilled over, it'd be a huge help. In this case, it's a marginal help. You get two extra swings, 
and your weapon skill is static. Okay, I guess that's fine. <laughs> I, I, I'm really not seeing a major improvement on walkers just yet. Another unfortunate gripe that I have about dreadnoughts, and this actually goes for most vehicles in general, but dreadnoughts is what I'm talking about here, is that they do not ignore the heavy special rule for their weapons. So these dreadnoughts are literally giant walking platforms, and they have these giant-ass guns mounted on the side of them, and they still have heavy weapons. Now, of course, you know, I know there were certain design elements in this new version of the game, and they just decided to do that for everybody, uh, unless they have um, Power of the Machine spirit or something like that. And I understand that's their decision, but Dreadnoughts are really not much better than they used to be. Now, another thing that is completely game-wide that is better is that it's just a minus one to hit with heavy weapons versus hitting on sixes. In previous editions, if you moved with a heavy weapon, you would only hit on sixes, which sucked. So minus one to hit is overall an improvement for Dreadnoughts, except, of course, that everybody gets that same improvement. So, you know, on the surface, Dreadnoughts are better than they used to be, but when you compare it to the rest of the wider game, they are not really that much better, unfortunately. Now, then you get into the whole topic of they have a high toughness like a vehicle, that's great, they have an armor save, yada yada, but many of them are only, what, eight wounds? Well, two Laz Cannons can kill a Dreadnought in one turn with eight wounds. Unfortunately... Dreadnoughts don't have that many wounds, and this edition especially, you know, there's many, many multi-wound, I mean, I'm sorry, multi-damage weapons in our uh, arsenal. So, in my personal opinion, unless they're priced very well, any multi-wound models um, that you might have, such as Dreadnoughts or anything, they actually are a liability versus a uh, advantage. Because I've used the old adage again of all the grots. You know, you shoot a, a 30-man squad of grots with a Laz Cannon, they only take one wound. You shoot a Dreadnought with a Laz Cannon, he could potentially lose two-thirds, no, actually three-quarters of his wounds. And, um, you know, think about that. I mean, you, you paid the same amount of points for that Laz Cannon, right? Regardless of who you're shooting at, you paid to use that weapon. And you can kill one grot, and they lose one thirtieth of their, uh, well, let's just say twenty-five in the unit. So they use four uh, percent of their power, or their durability, or their survivability, or whatever you want to call it. And meanwhile, the dreadnought is losing three quarters of it. Now, luckily, they don't degrade, which is one of the only benefits I see to a dreadnought over some other vehicle, is that they don't degrade. Obviously, a lot of vehicles do degrade as they get damaged, and that's kind of an issue. So at least Dreadnoughts don't do that. But in a in addition where spill uh, wounds do not spill over from model to model from damage, that really makes your multi-wound models a real liability. So um, overall, do I think that Dreadnoughts are better than they used to be? Yes, but in comparison to the rest of the game, honestly not. The only net benefits that you're getting is that you're getting, uh, what, two extra attacks. And whoopity-doo. That's really, really not that great. 
Um, you know, Dreadnoughts are such an iconic part of the game. They're so, you know, you see a Dreadnought, you know exactly what it's for. There's some people that's never even played this game that might know what a, a Dreadnought is, you know. They're supposed to be these these crazy legendary warriors and you know, they're just they're just kind of lame. They're kind of uh flaccid. And it's a shame. Four attacks, sure. Okay, four attacks is a much better deal than two, but I don't know. I, I feel very empty when I play Dreadnoughts. And um, I almost feel like, and this would be an improvement that I would suggest, I know they have a stratagem where, um, you know, they're using their ancient knowledge to help everyone else around them. And I think it's rerolling ones to hit uh, for Space Marines. But if they're really supposed to be legendary warriors, I'm expecting twos to hit in, in melee or, or um, something like that, six attacks or something. Even, you know, I would actually prefer, you know, many, many attacks that are low damage versus just four attacks that are massive damage. Because that's it's just going to work out better for your dice and your rolling. Of course, I don't want to completely shit on Dreadnoughts. I do like Dreadnoughts. I love the look of them. I love how tanky and wobbly, you know, they, 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 uh, what would the word be? They, uh, they lumber. Uh, they lumber around. They're really awesome. I, I just love the models, but... You know, a lot of their weapons are kind of meh. And um, also, you know, they've even done some things in the game that are making Dreadnoughts worse, which, of course, is a little bit of a nitpick, but, like, they don't like you doing the gun Dreadnoughts, the uh, Marksman Dreadnoughts anymore, where they've got, like, two sets of twin auto cannons, you know, one on either side, or things like that. That's still available in the Index, but it's no longer available in a lot of the Codexes. I think, out of everything, my number one suggestion for Dreadnoughts would be Give them two extra attacks. Make them six attacks. Make them something disgusting. Um, or the other option would be increase their weapon skill instead of their number of attacks. Make them more reliable for uh, hitting. Or the other option would be to make them mini HQs. Make them buffing units. Make them do something that is special. Um, I think the stratagem is a really good start um, where they reroll ones to hit, but... I really feel like that should maybe be a permanent ability or something of that nature. It doesn't have to be that because then I understand you say, why do we take captains if we have dreadnoughts to do that? But it would be something that would help dreadnoughts. So in conclusion, I don't feel like dreadnoughts are really any better than they were before any other edition. In fact, they are arguably more vulnerable because of the liability of having multi-wounds in a multi-damage game. So there's that. Unfortunately, my article from four years ago still holds up. What is wrong with walkers? Now, if you're spurred to say anything about walkers, please write in at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron, or of course you can always call the hotline.